What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because it doesn't necessarily take a never before seen business idea to have a never before seen impact on your life. I'm joined today by a longtime Side Hustle Show listener, and we actually recorded this on his last day of college. While he was a full time student, Johnny Robinson, who goes by at Squeegee God on Twitter, built orange window cleaning into a multi six figure operation. Um, we haven't quite closed the books on 2021 yet, but do you have a sense of where you expect to end up revenue-wise for the cleaning business, window cleaning business? Yeah, so we'll do just under 700000 It's mostly window cleaning, but we also do Christmas lights to keep the guys busy in the off-season, so November, December. Now, window cleaning obviously isn't the world's most innovative business, but I think Johnny's example illustrates the opportunity that exists in businesses that are already out there, and in some cases, just applying a little modern marketing to them. Stick around in this episode to learn how Johnny got his first customers, the marketing engine you can borrow for your own business, how he fulfills the work, and the tools and tech that he uses to manage the whole operation. Notes and links to all the resources mentioned in this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash window. While you're there, make sure to download my free local marketing checklist. 10 quick things you can do to get more profitable local leads for your business. Again, that's at sidehustlenation.com slash window or through the show notes in the episode description of your podcast player app. This story starts, like a lot of side hustles do, with a less than satisfying day job. Ready? Let's do it. Growing up, I didn't uh, have any types of entrepreneurs in my family. I come from a pretty poor family. And I thought you needed a degree to start a business. So like, I thought you needed to go do your four years, get a business degree, and then you can open up whatever type of business you wanted. That's how I thought business worked. And I found out uh, after getting my first job and dealing with uh, managers for the first time, instantly I, after my first, it was a lifeguarding job in the summer of 2016. And during that job, I immediately knew I'm going to ride out this summer. I'm going to you know stack some cash up because it was my first job. I had no money. And I'm never going to work for someone again. I cannot do this. And because during the time at the job, I found out you didn't need a degree to start a business. And I started kind of Googling up business ideas. I was listening to your show, how I built this. And my best friend, Sergio, from high school, or actually from middle school, asked me to hang out one day. So I went, we skipped class, we went to the beach. And I, and I asked him, like, what he wanted to do once he graduated. And he told me he was a civil engineering degree. And he's like, I want to get my you know good paying job with my benefits. And uh, that's what I want to do. I was like, okay, cool. Well, how about this, dude? Did you know you didn't need a degree to start a business? Why don't we go start a business? And um, thought nothing of it. Nothing really came of it until a week later, he called me and he's like, hey, I've been watching some Gary Vee and I've been thinking about what you said. I want to start a business. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's let's start brainstorming. So we just started Googling ideas and, and he was just laying on my bed. And he's like, dude, why don't we clean windows? And I'm like, car windows and he's like yeah car windows I'm like, so you're telling me you want to go stand at the gas station and charge like five bucks to clean car windows we're not gonna make any money bro and he's like yeah you're probably right but i google window cleaning and i find out it's an actual industry where people get commercial buildings uh, storefronts residential they all need their windows cleaned and so started watching some different youtubers and we're like hey we could do this we watched this one youtuber and he <laughs> he's like i sold 48 accounts in 24 hours. My back was against the wall, eviction notices. And now I got these 48 window cleaning accounts. It's that easy. And we're like, why can't we do this too? And that's what that sparked it. And been doing window cleaning ever since. So at the beginning, you were kind of idea agnostic, just scrolling through different lists of business ideas until you find one that sounds somewhat interesting, somewhat doable. Our whole criteria for, for a business to start was that we needed to make money quickly, like be profitable quickly. Okay. Was there any research into the state of the market, the competitive analysis in your local area of like other companies already doing this stuff? Um, not really. Uh, I kind of just sent Sergio 75 bucks and he put in 75 bucks and we bought a bucket, a squeegee and a polo off Amazon and just started going knocking on doors. I didn't even know Yelp or Google my business. Like I didn't know how to, how to do any of that yet. Funny enough. Okay, so this is the startup cost: 150 bucks worth of materials, and then hitting the streets, cold calling, uh, just residential neighborhoods, commercial neighborhoods. Like, who are you targeting here? We started with storefronts, so like 
uh, I'll tell you a funny story. The first store we pitched was this donut shop, right? It's still there. It's across the street from my house. And we walk in there and we're like, hey, uh, can we clean your windows? And they look at us and they're like, yeah, if you do a good job, we'll pay you. Like, if, we'll pay you if we like it. Okay. We're like, sick, let's do it. We clean the windows and it's like two small little panes of glass. And what now, if like we were still out in the field cleaning the windows, it'd probably take us 10 minutes. It took us probably like an hour. <laughs> okay. We're still learning. And then uh, they decide once we're done, like, yeah, good job. Like it looks really good, but how about we pay you in donuts? And then they stack a box, a dozen, a dozen size box full of donuts and like the cheesy croissants and stuff. And they give us the donuts and it was like a midday. So they were all, you know, cold and dried <laughs> out. But I mean, we were stoked about it. And that was kind of our first job we, we landed. That was the first customer. Nice. Yeah. Prove yourself, like get some reps in practice, learn how to actually clean a window. That's probably a good skill to have if you're running this business. What happens after that? After that, we were like, okay, being paid in donuts was cool, but we need, we need to actually make some money now. <laughs> so the next day we went down to this, uh, this little historical downtown area that's maybe four miles down the road from my house. And we just started going going hard, pitching everybody. Hey, can we clean your windows? Oh, your guy's doing it for 20. We'll do it for 15. You know, stuff like that. We landed our first paying job at this dry cleaner for $12. That took us an hour and a half. <laughs> for, for two people two people yeah 12 bucks an hour and a half and then we went next door to that spot we got the mechanic for 40 dollars. so that was we we're stoked on that. that took us an hour we're at 20 bucks an hour let's go and then um we ended up getting the burger spot across the street for 50 dollars a month and then we were stoked about that and we ended up just crushing it that week and just getting a lot of a lot of accounts and we stuck with the storefront route for a while for that whole first year of 2017 and we probably did a total of like, I don't know, $5,000 if that uh, top line. Yeah. So you're, so you're going door to door on these commercial storefronts and saying, hey, can we clean your windows? Like very basic pitch. And the response is either no, uh, they're not that dirty. No, we'll do it ourselves. No, we already have somebody who's doing it. And then you could say, well, what are they charging you? And so it's kind of a way to get, you know, really in front of the target customers in a, in a meaningful way. Like, look, I got my squeegee. I'm ready to go right now. Is that kind of how you guys were playing it? Exactly. Yeah. So we were carrying our bucket around with us and the squeegee. So we were like, if you say yes right now, we'll clean the windows right now. And uh, we ran into lots of different objections. Like you said, a big one was they already had someone. And lots of the times, like they would have their window cleaners for 10 plus years. So it was kind of crazy. Which is probably a good sign too, like that if you can land a customer, especially if you're not you know, not necessarily conquesting market share from somebody else, but if you can land a new customer who wasn't used to previously paying for this service, there were signs that it they might stick around for a while. Right, exactly. They're really sticky. The customers were extremely sticky because uh, it was really hard to screw up. And a, a big benefit that we had was we were, we're young, right? We're still young, but back then we were you know, 19 years old. <laughs> uh-huh. And you could just tell like, oh, these these kids just want to make some money. So we got a lot of support in that way of people just like appreciating the hustle. Yeah. Let's talk about the next stage of the business. So you're doing these kind of commercial accounts, one-off door-to-door cold calling type of thing, and you're getting customers, you're making money. And what happens next in in the following year? So the following year, uh, we were like, okay, we got to get out of storefronts because there's not that much money in it. And the time it takes to go out and pitch customers for 20 bucks and just get pretty much kicked in the mouth for a whole day of just no, 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 no. And then finally to get one yes. And for it to only be $20, it just wasn't worth it to us. So like, yeah. how do we, how do we get into residential? And so I was actually out pitching one, one day. Um, and I was just getting told no, no, after no, after no, after no. And I was sitting in my car and I see a, a van pass by me and it's a Hardy's windows. It's a window contractor, big window contractor here in orange County. And I was like, huh, I wonder if after they install windows, they need someone to clean them. I'll just call. And so I call them. I'm like, hey, do you guys need window cleaning for the, sh- the stuff you guys install? And they're like, no, we do that in-house. And I was like, oh, damn. So I, I thought I was like a- some mastermind sitting in my car that I was about to get so much work. And then that happened. And I was like, okay, who else could refer me to residential houses? And so I'm like, oh, probably maid services. I know maid services don't carry the right equipment to clean residential windows, especially two stories up. 
on the exterior. So let me call the main services. So I call the first three on Yelp, the top three, and they all, um, they're like, yeah, I'll, pa- I'll pass you some window cleaning work. Just give me a little kickback. So it's like, all right, perfect. The first two I called uh, of the three, we structured a deal where they would refer us and we'd give them 15% of the job. So that's how we started to get our first residential work coming in. Oh, interesting. So setting up a strategic partnership type of thing. We're looking for who your target customers are already doing business with. In this case, the maid services. Hey, you're, you're already spending money cleaning the inside of your house. Why don't you make the outside look nice? We, we have a, a trusted partner in this uh, window cleaning arena. Did they ask for any sort of uh, references, like check the quality of your work? Or just like, hey, nobody else has ever called us up about that before. Let's, sure, we'll send you some work for 15%. So the first one, we actually had to do a job for free so she could start sending us work. And we we did her friend's house and okay. city nearby. And she ended up really liking it. So she started giving us work. The other ones, they wanted to meet us at their office. So me and Sergio showed up all like dressed out, like business attire and everything showed up and they were sitting there like with their normal clothes on. I could tell they were like, look at these kids, like everything, <laughs> you know, so it was kind of funny, but they met us in person and, and they were cool with it. So, um, I mean, it worked out well and it got us some jobs, but the real turning point didn't come until we started to understand uh, reputation and uh, digital marketing. So one of those cleaning companies actually told us, Hey, you need to make a Yelp account. You need to get reviews on Yelp. And so we're like, okay, we just took her advice. We made the Yelp account and we started asking all our customers, Hey, can you leave us a Yelp review? Can you leave us a Yelp review? And slowly but surely the Yelp reviews just started flowing in and uh, we, we ranked on Yelp on the first page. And then we started to see so many more jobs come in just organically without spending any, any money on Yelp. And uh, we're like, wow, we should do this with Google my business too. And so we started learning more about different softwares that we could add on to help us get more reviews quicker. Uh, we started to look at competition now uh, at their websites, saw that their websites were bad, like 99%. You can't get a quote online. Okay. How do we do online quoting? How do we make a nice website? And we started kind of just figuring all this stuff out and spending a bunch of money, like all the money we were making, we started spending on different softwares and different kind of systems. Uh, some things worked, some things didn't. And we just, the stuff that didn't work, we got rid of it. And the stuff that stuck, we just continued to double down on it. Yeah, by collecting reviews on these platforms and you know, just building up a presence there, it's a way to turn one client into two clients, into three, four, hopefully five, by virtue of this reputation marketing. If somebody you've already gotten in front of someone either through this, you know, referral arrangement or through cold calling, and to say, okay, could you leave us a review? So if somebody happens to be searching for this, that's a hot lead, anyways. If you can get in front of them by having a presence and a positive presence, you know, a a well reviewed presence on these other platforms. Now, all of a sudden you're off to the races there. What did you find effective? Cause it's like, yeah, it's easy to, okay, well, I asked everybody for a review, but then, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll get to it when I get to it. And it's, it's hard to really hammer home the importance of like, no, I really need you to go leave this review. Now we have like scripts and everything where technicians will ask, our admin will ask over the phone and then they get an automated link through the software that we use um, so the software that we use really helps us. Like, so we on Google My Business, we went from five reviews to I think we're at like 140 now in a year. Wow! So that's been great for us. What's the software tool? It's Nice Job. So NiceJob.co. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of just it's a lot of almost being pushy without making it feel like we're being pushy in a way. If that makes sense. Uh, so like you really have to like, hey, can you leave that review? Can you leave that review? Uh, but word it in a way in which you're not bugging them. I've heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, that Google My Business reviews are in a way easier to collect than Yelp because, you know, sometimes the Yelp algorithm, like if that person isn't a habitual Yelp reviewer, it tends to wait that less or sometimes won't even show up versus anybody with a Google account can leave a Google review. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Like if you were to come on my Google page, I said, hey, Nick, can you leave me a review on Google? And you did it, it would stick on there. And it could be one of the ones that are shown for the next years to come. But if I say, hey, Nick, can you go on Yelp and leave a review? I guarantee you somehow Yelp is going to know that it's not legitimate and they're going to put it in not recommended. And yeah, like you said, the way to get the Yelp reviews to stick is either have a Yelp elite user leave a review or add a picture to your review. Either of those two things are way more likely to make your review stick. But yes, to answer your question, Google My Business is, I would say, 10 times easier to collect reviews on than Yelp is. Okay. 
Did you do anything else with the Google My Business profile listing to make it stand out or have it rank better or reviews really the main factor there? Reviews were the main factor, but it was just like, you know, consistently updating it with new pictures. And then whenever you post a picture, tag the location. This goes for Yelp and Google. So add a caption and the location on any picture you post on Yelp or Google My Business. It helps out a ton with ranking. So as the business owner, you're allowed to post your own pictures. Like if you're doing a kind of before and after, or here's the job that we just did, that kind of thing. Right, exactly. So you're like, here I am cleaning windows in, you know, Newport Beach. And it's you squeegeeing a window or something. Okay. Because now they're going to show somebody searching for window cleaning Newport Beach. Like all of a sudden you've, you've fed it some data to work with. Right. Exactly. Okay. On the website front, and this is one of the reasons I'm bullish on these types of home services businesses, because like the entrenched competition isn't as savvy as you are with the digital marketing, the website, the online quoting that you mentioned. Like it talked to me about getting the website set up and just building a modern presence that's easy to do business with. Because I, I see this all the time. It's like, you know, fax us for a quote, call us for a quote. It's like, uh, just, could you just give me a ballpark? Like, I want to just know if it's, yeah. you know, if we're even in the realm of possibility. So I guess a two-part thing, like I want to know about, you know, how you figured out the actual mechanics of the pricing thing and then the uh, the website portion of this and how that has played into the growth. Starting out... We will not starting out now. We have like two pillars of like, okay, we need frictionless customer experience. So when they call and then we need to have flat rate pricing, you have two, those two things, in any home service business, you'll be anybody because all customers want to do is pick up the phone and get a price. They don't want to get put on hold, wait for the next receptionist. They don't want to leave a voicemail. If you call the top 10 people on Yelp or Google, eight of them are going to answer their phones. I guarantee it. So you do all those things, you're already winning. And so if you can translate that onto the internet, onto your website, and so now there's a lot of leads out there who don't want to pick up the phone and call you, surprisingly enough. So if you can set up your website to translate that flat rate pricing and then frictionless booking process straight through the website, you're going to capture that many more leads because you know a lot of people don't like to call. And so the way we figured that out was uh, using NiceJob we had them try to upsell us a website and we were like, ah, like our website's good. And then we looked at our website and we we're like, mm, we kind of built it on WordPress in like a day and it was, wasn't great. Uh, not off much for SEO or anything. So, so we were like, you know what, let's, let's give nice job a try. So nice job comes in, they build us a website and it's still to this day, the website we have. And through their website, they made it really easy to integrate other software. So we use a software for online booking or CRM that we manage all our customer data and uh, job schedules and, and who's going to what job, like which subcontractors are going to which job. Okay. Which tool is that? So that's House Call Pro. And then our online booking is Responsibid. And so we're like, oh, we can integrate all three of these things together. And we're going to have the best freaking website in the county. And we did just that. And to this day, still nobody is using that stack in the county. We're the only ones with online booking. Okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and 
you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. How do you figure out the flat rate pricing? Because it's, well, you know, how many how many windows do you have? If we show up to this job and you're like, it's a wall of glass, you're like, well, shoot, we really <laughs> underbid this thing. Yeah. So we actually, we don't do any in-person bids anymore. That was a big thing for us was we wanted to flat rate it because we didn't want to do in-person bids. So as our marketing engine started to get better and better, we were getting more leads and bigger houses. So we would be getting calls of like, you know, we got to go all the way down to South Orange County for a bid, do a couple over there and then come back, do some more bids. And it was just taking too much time. And it was actually cleaning windows is working in the business. And when you transition from working as a technician to the sales guy, it feels a little bit better. But after a while, it gets old too. And you're like, wow, I'm still working in the business. So we were like, we got to flat rate this and get rid of in-person bids. So what we did was we just came up with, uh, we have a per window pricing and we just let the customer know, look, this is our flat rate. We charge, we don't tell them what we charge per window, but we ask them, how many windows do you have? So if Nick, you, you were to say, I have 20 windows, uh, we charge 1575 a window. So I would know, okay, 315. Uh, we can clean your windows inside and out, the tracks, the screens, the sills, and the frames on the exterior for $315. This is only removal of dirt and dust. We're not removing any construction, any debris, any uh, you know paint adhesives. We're not detailing the tracks. We're going to wipe the tracks down. So we're really good at setting expectations. And, and then I'm also going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you, our admin will tell you, but, and if the window count is different than what you told us when we get there, we will change the price. And that probably happens on a daily basis where we have to up the price. But because we said that, they can't really do anything about it because we made it very clear to them, like, look, if, you, if you're going to not give us an accurate window count, then we're going to you know, price you accordingly. Are people deliberately undercounting their windows or they're just like, oh, shoot, I forgot about that one on the side of the house? Or I think 99% of the time, it's, uh, it's just like they don't either, they'll count like four windows as one. When it's like, obviously there's one window, you know, but like a multi-pane. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not on purpose. Most of the time there, I, I think sometimes that people do try to get better prices by giving a lower window count. Okay. Fair, fair enough. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe they won't, uh, maybe they won't call me on this. Okay. So you and Sergio are in class during the day, during the evening and the phone starts ringing. Like what, what's that process like early on? And I, it sounds like maybe you've got, you know, admin people to help out with that now, but curious how you have started and and what you've transitioned to there. Yeah. So for the first three years, I was taking all the calls and I was still using my personal number. So I would be, I would sit down in class, my phone would ring. And if it was a number I didn't know, I knew it was for window cleaning. And so I always put the business first. So as the business started to pick up, I would not care about school because I'd be like, okay, I don't, even if I'm in a final right now, I'm going to step out of class and take this because it could be a thousand dollar job. You don't know. So, um, it was just constant, like, Oh, phones are reading. Let me step out. Let me take it. I'll either book it or don't come back in. And sometimes I'll come back in and right when I sit back, sit down, phone starts ringing again. So I'd have to go back out. And then same thing when we're in the field, right? So if we're out there cleaning windows, there's one point where Sergio did the job pretty much by himself because I was just getting nonstop calls on the phone and, you know, they're going to hear me like, freaking grunting on the phone cleaning these windows and stuff <laughs> so it's kind of a, not a good look to be sitting there cleaning the windows while i'm talking on the phone so that also created problems with like production and getting jobs done quick because i was taking phone calls so yeah your professors and your classmates like who is this guy what's going on here yeah uh probably i mean i don't know they never really told me anything but <laughs> fair enough yeah and what's the phone set up uh, today so uh, we have an admin taking all the calls. Initially, we had an in-house or not in-house, but here in, in the United States, we had an admin that we were paying to answer the phones. 
respond to emails, basically full office manager. So took care of everything. That was to this day, my best hire ever. Having an admin take all that off your plate is just, it's so nice and freed up my time a lot, but she had to go on maternity leave. So uh, that when she left and went on maternity leave, we realized we had a lot of holes in the business. We had to plug those holes. And so we tried to hire another admin here in the US and we weren't getting anyone quality. And so we kind of asked each other, like, why don't we just try a, a virtual assistant? So we hired a virtual assistant from the Philippines and that's what we've been doing ever since. And she's been crushing it. She's closed on average about three grand a day and uh, she does it all from the Philippines. Wow. So she's working uh, night shift her time, answering the phones for you guys and, and setting up jobs. Exactly. Did you have any hiring criteria that you were specifically looking for in that job search? Um, no, not really. We hired the first one we interviewed and she's been killing it. So she's great. She's amazing. Okay. Wow. Three grand a day. That's, a, that's a, she's doing some serious volume now. Um, how about on the fulfillment side? So it sounds like you have transitioned out of, you know, get up on ladders and doing this stuff yourself. So talk about the, you know, delivering logistics of the actual jobs. Yeah. So we initially, we ran the whole company off of W2 employees. So we up to a point we've had seven W2 employees, but we've since switched to using subcontractors. And when I say subcontractors, they're actual subcontractors. I'm not just calling them subcontractors, but they're really employees. So we, uh, during the summer, we bought another window cleaning business and that doubled us overnight. And we got two universities with that business that we had to fulfill on top of, you know, like $50,000 worth of residential. So uh, we were like, how do we do that? We don't have the team. We don't have, you know, the money to not, not the money, but we don't have the time to find a truck get the equipment for that truck, put the rack on the truck, and then put out this hiring campaign, onboard all these guys, train them. It just take, was taking too much time. So we tried out a hybrid role of, okay, we're going to put the W-2s on the universities and we're going to use subs for the residential. And the subs were just outperforming all the W-2s because they were other business owners and they had their own equipment already that they cared about. And they've been cleaning windows for a while now. Okay, so these were already established window washers, window cleaning companies to say, so you can approach them and say, do you need any help filling up your schedule? We've got some extra work we could use, we could use a hand with. Right, exactly. Okay, and then just take a, take a margin on top. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call them established window washing companies. They're more so guys, because the way we structure it is it's the subcontractor takes 50 to 60% of the job. We book it, we handle all the customer complaints, we handle the pricing, all that. They just complete the job. So we're in a way like their marketing arm, right? So they don't have to worry about getting jobs. They just get spoon fed jobs and they take a lower cut than they normally would. An established company would never take that deal. So it's more so guys who invested in their own equipment and invested in all their stuff and they like to clean windows and they just want to get the work. Okay. So you're removing all of the non-labor elements of this like look i'll tell you where to show up you know this job is already booked and, and paid for and then you in exchange for not having to deal with that you take a slightly lower price than you normally would get right exactly okay because you found from doing all the cold calling it's like hey you know, the hourly rate when we get work is great but it's all these no's that we had to deal with the rest of the day that really put a damper on that yeah exactly what about the um recurring nature of this and either this is maybe the virtual admin that's helping out saying okay well here's the you know price per window here's your one time quote but what's the effort like to say well we can come back every month every 3 months like what's a, a typical cadence for this type of thing yeah so we push for quarterly but most people do a uh, by by yearly or semi annually so twice a year okay and uh we track that all through our CRM and we have systems to like nurture our customers and kind of maintain the relationship so we can keep getting rebookings. And the way we do that is, is just a simple email campaign and text campaign combined where we text them and say, Hey, it's been, you know, three months since your last cleaning. Would you like to get on the schedule? So every customer is getting a follow-up that's automated three months, exactly three months after their last service. This is through house call pro. Yes. Okay. It's helpful to hear the margins on the subcontracting side of things because I've got to imagine like labor is probably the biggest expense in this business. You're putting up big revenue numbers, 
but labor, given you know record low unemployment numbers, labor is kind of hard to come by right now. So yeah. do you have a sense of how you're thinking about margin on a per job basis? Or are you kind of zooming out from that a little bit more and saying, well, we're looking at it more on a weekly or monthly basis? The cool thing about using subcontractors is we pay them a percentage of the job, right? So we have our fixed costs, you know, our softwares and our marketing, not not marketing spend, but, you know, our softwares. And then we have our cost to market and acquire customers. And then we pay the subs 50 to 60%. So it's very predictable, right? And with using subs, it actually solves the labor problem because we can come in and say, oh, hey, this window cleaner is paying you 50%. We charge more and we'll pay you 55%. And we'll give you an opportunity to get to 60% if you stick with us for 16 jobs. So it's really easy to, to take subs in. And the best thing about that too is we don't have to spend, you know, our capital and mess up our cash flow with buying trucks and equipment and all this stuff to get another truck out on the road. We just have to find another sub. So it's gotten to the point where it's just turning dials. So it's, oh, I need, I need 100 extra leads this month. Okay, let me crank up the ad spend a little bit. Where are you buying ads? Uh, so we do Yelp, 20 times return on ad spend on Yelp. So uh, our whole business has basically been built on the back of Yelp. Interesting. Do they let you bid by keyword, I guess, if somebody is searching window cleaning, you want to make sure you show up at the top? Yeah, so they have categories. And then within each category, they have they have keywords you can that you want to rank for. And there's keywords you can also block out. And then you have zip code targeting in there. So it's pretty cool. It's super easy to get set up. And uh, it's great. And we just kind of kind of got a little bit better than the next guy at look, making our ad look good. So I think that's part of the reason we crush it on Yelp. What do you have in your ad? I, I got to go like search and curious to see what it looks like. Yeah. So so we just have we have a picture of me and Surgeon. We're standing there next to our wrapped trucks with our arms crossed, smiling. And if you look at all the other ones, it's just like it's maybe like a logo, which which is not bad, right? But most logos aren't great that great looking, or it's you know some like pixely android photo of someone cleaning a window or something and so when you see two young guys you know professional looking with the polos with the wrap trucks it gives a real professional look to it and then we have the portfolio right there which is a yelp add-on in their ad package and so okay it actually makes your ad look look a little bit bigger so when you're competing against nine other advertisers uh, yours is going to be bigger and takes up space which creates a more likelihood to get clicks and the portfolio is like pictures of past jobs Exactly. Okay. Sounds like you make some investments in branding, not just in marketing, but in, you know, the professional looking polos and the truck wraps. And that's something that subcontractors aren't necessarily going to do. They're not going to wear your shirt or maybe they are, but like, they're not going to have your logo slapped on the side of their truck. Does that matter to customers or like, I don't know, curious (laughs) what's your take on that? It doesn't. um, I kind of have a contrarian take because most people will say, oh, like when we told our other home service friends we were switching to subs, their biggest thing was like, oh, you're going to ruin your brand equity or you're going to, you know, you're going to dilute your brand. That's what they would tell me. And I was like, all right, we'll see. Right. What I've realized is most, most of the branding and the customer service comes from digital and online. So if you can show, present yourself in a way of, wow, this company looks really professional, really good. As long as you're not sending out, you know, freaks to, to clean the windows and they're like pretty normal people, the customer's not going to care. They're going to care about the booking, the customer experience, the follow-up, right? So when our admin calls, when the job's complete and say, hey, how was it? Shows that we care and that we look like a professional company online. It doesn't necessarily matter as much in person, funny enough, because our best subcontractor is, um, he actually has an employee too, and they just wear great, normal gray t-shirts. They have a great truck. They get tipped great. They get tons of reviews. So it hasn't really changed much. Okay. That was a, just want to pause on that. Like having the admin call after the job to follow up, make sure everything is okay. I imagine that is a pretty cool touch that probably doesn't happen with a lot of uh, competitors. So I think that was a a cool thing uh, that you just mentioned. You said something earlier about we acquired this other company, which came with these, you know, big university contracts. Talk to me about this growth through acquisition, because it seems like, well, if I'm going to buy another company, that's going to take a ton of capital. But my understanding is you went about it a pretty creative way. Yeah. So I had just been listening to a ton of podcasts on um, like acquisition entrepreneurship and how to acquire businesses. And you, know, you can kind of, through the SBA and some creative deal 
making, you can buy yourself into a really good paying job. So I started down that rabbit hole and I was like, wait, I can buy, I can use these things that I'm learning and I could buy another window cleaning company, apply it to my window cleaning company and we can grow faster, but we didn't have that much cash. So what happened was coincidentally, I was listening to all this stuff and I was reading like Harvard business review, how to buy a small business. I was like, just consuming all this information and a buddy of mine in my networking group called Litip. It's similar to BNI if you're familiar. He called me and he's like, hey, I have one of my Medicare clients. He was the insurance agent of the group. And so he's one of my Medicare clients is retiring and he's got a window cleaning business in the neighboring city, literally right next door to me. And he, he needs to sell it. He's, you know, 65 or something and he wants to move. So I'm like, oh my God, this is perfect. He wants to retire. No one else is going to probably buy this business. And I assume that he was still really involved in it. And that turned out to be true. So I was like, I could probably get a really good deal on this. And we met and lo and behold, uh, doesn't have profit and loss statements. He brings, uh, you know, a one page sheet of all the equipment that he has. And then his last three, his trailing three year revenue numbers, but they're labeled as profit. Right. And so it's like a two, $250,000 a year business, but he labeled it profit. So I'm like, wait, hold on. You're, you're making $250,000 in profit. Yeah. No, that sales. And I was like, okay, that's what I thought. Um, so good signs for me. I was like, okay, I could definitely get a good deal. Um, but you know, I don't want to try to take this guy's business for nothing. So I had to, I had to kind of like educate him a lot on how the process worked and how, how like his business really wasn't worth. Cause he was asking coming into the first meeting, he was asking for 300 K because that's what he saw on the internet. And so I had to educate him over the next three months on basically like, look, dude, you're still super involved in the business. You're not charging market rate. So if I were to buy this business and with the way I'm paying my guys now, I have to raise prices immediately. I can't incrementally raise the prices over the next six months to a year to retain more customers. I have to raise prices immediately because my guys are going to pay on commission, right? They're not going to be doing you know, what I normally charge 300 bucks for 200 bucks just because I bought this company. That's not, that's not fair to them. So I had a so his primary asset as the as the seller his primary asset was his customer list or his you know list of kind of recurring contracts and and jobs that he had right exactly and he'd been in business for like thirty or forty years so I was getting customers that had been with him for a long time yeah and what we really wanted with those universities so what we ended up doing was after those three months of going back and forth I told him the deal we came to was I'll give you a thousand dollars in goodwill and. I'll give you 25% of the university jobs that we finish. So we'll break even. We won't even make any money on the university jobs, but I'll give you that 25% because they weren't even guaranteed because they weren't contracts. They were relationships. So that 25% was contingent on they actually uh, follow through, which they did. And so we cut him checks for that. And then on the residential for every customer that converted that to orange window cleaning, that we would give him 15% of every job completed. And the reason we did that was because we couldn't justify giving him a bunch of upfront cash for, you know, relationships. Now, if they were contracts and they were guaranteed and we can just take over, then okay, it'd be a different story. But since they're just relationships, we had to do it that way. And it's been working out great. I mean, he's happy. We're happy. Yeah. So it's kind of, he structured it as a performance basis kind of thing rather than this lump sum of cash up front, but that's a big leap to have somebody thinking they're going to get 300 grand for this asset that they spent decades building to be like, no, we're going to give you a thousand bucks, basically just a nominal thing to, to lock it in. And we're going to do a percentage of future work. Was there a, a deadline for like how long you're going to continue paying him out? Yeah. So it's over three years and that percentage drops uh, every year. So I think we closed, closed the deal in like, June or July, maybe I want to say somewhere early summer. And uh, a year from that, those percentages from 25% on the commercial will drop to like 15, residential will drop to 10. And then in year three, they'll drop again. And then at year four, there's no more kickbacks. Okay. So, but you had to go to these customers and say, Hey, I'm the new guy in town. I bought this business. That's the good news. The bad news is I got to raise your rate. Basically. Yeah. And, and we had a lot of churn. I mean, we expected it. But uh, surprisingly, a lot of customers stayed, I think, like 50%. Okay. And so this is a way to mitigate your risk and say, well, we can, we can just pay it out of our margin and then you know, slowly stair-step that down over time. And so 
he's getting his he's getting his cash flow out of it and you're getting customers out of it and eventually they you know he sails off into the sunset and you have uh, a new roster of clients right exactly nope it's worked out well what kind of liability protection people always ask you know nick you never ask about the insurance side of things <laughs> like well i figured that out down the road like what kind of uh, you know, liability and uh, protection and stuff have you had to have in place for this thing, if, especially if people are getting up on ladders, you're coming into people's homes, all that stuff. Yeah. So for the first year or two, we didn't even have anything because it was just me and Sergio and residential doesn't really ask for insurance. So we're like, ah, oh, we can, you know, get away, get away with it for a bit. But then we got our first commercial job and they asked if we had insurance and, you know, I think it was a couple grand or something. And I'm sitting there going, well, I'm not going to tell them no, because then I'll lose the job. I'm like, yeah, we have insurance. And they're like, okay, cool. Just send it over. I'm like, okay, hang up, pick up the phone again. Hey, I need some, I need a quote for, for some general liability insurance. So uh, that was how we first got insurance. And then uh, now we've got, uh, you know, general liability insured up to a uh, million dollars. And then I think it's 2 million per occurrence. And then we have a uh, commercial auto on all the trucks. And then we have equipment floaters on all the equipment in those trucks. Um, and then, yeah, that's it. And then when we had W-2s, a lot of workers comp. So I will say the downside to the window cleaning business is workers comp because when these insurance agents uh, here, you have a window cleaning business kind of start, you start to see stars in their eyes because uh, you're getting up on roofs and ladders and it's a little sketchy. So they're going to make a lot of money off you. And I was paying like 20, $22 for every hundred dollars of payroll. So that sucked. Yeah. That is a huge percentage of in terms of cost to get sold. So it sounds like you're transitioning away from W-2s. I mean, what was the reaction from those workers? And, you know, how has that transition been? I guess it allows you to run a little bit leaner in a way, but can you speak to that? Yeah. So when we transitioned into subs, there was a lot of employees that were going back to school for the summer. So it worked out perfectly because we transitioned all of our best employees into subs. So we said, look, go get your own insurance, go get your own incorporation as a sole prop, get your, uh, you can lease the truck from us. If you don't want to buy your own, that comes with the equipment. So you pay us and you take over the payments. And so we did that for two of our guys. And then, yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's helpful. So giving, giving them an opportunity to stay on and kind of work within the new structure. Right. And, and the new guys too, they love it because they're getting paid like four times the amount they were as a W2 so it works out great. Oh, okay. Interesting. Can you speak to the seasonality of this? So it's like, yeah, we book people on this every every six months cleaning thing, more cleaning calendar. But then, well, you, we had to supplement with uh, Christmas light installations and takedowns and stuff. Like, is it primarily a spring summer thing, or people doing that? Well, you're in Southern California. Like, it's nice all year round. Honestly, I don't even know if we're going to do Christmas lights next year because we were so limited in how many we could do this year because window cleaning was still crazy busy. And uh, window cleaning is a lot better because you don't have to deal with material costs. Uh, Window cleaning is pretty much all labor. So, you know, the initial thought was, was that on Christmas lights, keep the guys busy. I don't think we need to do that anymore because our marketing is just that good. But come January, February, um, I don't care if you have the best marketing in the world here in Southern California, you're going to be like 25% of what your normal capacity is because the demand is so low during those months because uh, you call anybody who gets their windows clean and they're going to say, I'm going to wait till April. I'm going to wait till March. I'm going to wait till May. So there's ways to mitigate around that, but we always see about 20, a 75% drop off in revenue for those first two months. Uh, but you can do some things like if you, if you go hard on storefronts and really build up a good storefront route, uh, you'll be good and you know safe through the off season. We don't do that. We just uh, try to book as many of our old customers as we can. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the window cleaning business. You can't really do much about that. Uh, I know it's worse in other states too. Like in a minute, I have friends who have businesses in Minnesota, window cleaning businesses, and they just completely shut down in the winter. Right. Just, well, maybe we'll strap a snowplow to the front of the truck and clear people's driveways or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like nobody's thinking about this. But that's interesting. Yeah. But in Sunbelt states, it can be a more year round thing, but still expect some of these ebbs and flows in terms of demand and revenue. What surprised you the most over the last four years of building this thing up? I would say surprised me the most that just like the economy and how you can. If you, if, as long as you don't give up and you stick with something, you can make money doing anything. 
like it's so crazy I, now that I'm, I'm a little more deep into entrepreneurship and I'm involved in like on, the entrepreneurs organization. I'm on Twitter talking to a bunch of other people who own businesses. You like people are making money in the wackiest ways, and and to me that's so cool and so awesome. And if you if you want like freedom to do what you want, just start something. It doesn't matter what it is. You can always pull yourself out of it. Like I hate I hated cleaning windows all the whole time I did it. Cleaning windows sucks. It's freaking hot slipping on roofs, almost falling off roofs, hanging when we didn't have like equipment, we were hanging out of windows, cut, getting cut up. Like it was terrible, but it was worth it because now I can run this business from wherever I want. And uh, it just kind of prints money for me. What's a day in the life today? If there is such a thing, like a typical, you know, where, where are you spending your time on this thing? Yeah. So um, we kind of took the foot off the gas towards the end of the year, but we launched a maid service recently because we're like, okay, we want to test our our marketing and our abilities of using subs because the reason subs are great is you can scale really quick. And with service-based businesses, the problem with scaling them is labor. Subcontractors solve that problem. So we're like, okay, this worked in orange window cleaning. Let's test this theory. We spun up a maid service. We went live on ads last Tuesday. So it's been about five, six business days. And uh, we're already at $4,500 in bookings and with no reputation. So um, I think our theory is right. And I haven't touched a single thing in the business other than the marketing because Sergio handles the operations and the training and stuff. And then we have a general manager kind of running that along with orange window cleaning. So that's what I've been working on really and really excited for is this made business because we're launching three locations at once. So we fully remote three locations at once. We, we just got Orange County launched. So I'm working on San Diego and Los Angeles and our goal, uh, I posted on Twitter, so I'm like doing this as a public thing. Our goal is to do 50K a month um, by February. So in 90 days, we should be at 50K a month recurring. Wow. We'll be following along over there. It's interesting that you could say, well, we started you know, pumping ads to this maid service without any reviews. Is that correct? Like, So the Yelp ad would show no social proof at all yet. Exactly. Yeah. And we left a couple reviews up there from, I uh, had Sergio leave one and then our other friend left one. But like I said, Yelp's really good at, at knowing legit reviews. They sent them both are not recommended. So we're sitting there showing zero reviews and we're still uh, b- booking about like 500 bucks a day. No reviews. So uh, w- once we get that reputation built up and we start, that's off only Yelp too. So we're implementing a huge cold email campaign and uh, Facebook ads later on next week. So that's just off of Yelp. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. The demand for house cleaning right now is just crazy. How are you doing cold email, like to individual homeowners? I imagine that's going to be like commercial accounts or how does that work? So we're shooting for turnovers there. We want to do like apartments, um, construction cleanup jobs. So builders, okay, we're going to be building house and need that crew to come in and clean everything up, stuff like that. Okay, gotcha. And then on the labor side, you're finding existing house cleaners and say, and kind of giving them this, the same pitch of like, we want to be your marketing arm. We'll help you fill up your schedule and then... Could you, we got this job booked. Could you be there? Uh, you know, could you be there Friday by two o'clock? Like that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. We have a little bit more systematized, but yeah. So like if we onboard a sub, tell them like, look, you can make anywhere between 20 to 30 bucks an hour. You're more than welcome to go do it yourself. Have fun getting the jobs. We're already good at it. And you probably don't know how to price like we price in a nice way. Right. I'm not going to ever say that to someone, but so that's the kind of the value add to them. No, that's helpful. Yeah. That you just trying to give them that sense of you're trying to like find qualified people to do the work. That's always right. the bottleneck is, is the labor. Yeah. And then, and then we have them, we have them tell us their schedule a week before. So we say like, okay, what, what days do you want to take jobs at what times? And they say, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or I'll give, just give me everything you have. And so then we can book them out. Yeah. 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 Totally. Like, um, Oh, I can't be there. And a lot of confusion over, you know, who on the roster is going to get this gig. Right. Johnny, this has been awesome. Really appreciate you jumping on. This is orangewindowcleaning.com. Follow him on Twitter at Squeegee God. You find some really interesting threads over there. He also is the co-host of the Home Detailer podcast, which you can find in Spotify. We'll link that up for you in the show notes as well. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Just start something and stick with it. It doesn't matter what it is. If you want, if you don't like having a job, my whole my whole thing and my whole thing behind business and why I do business is because I don't want to work for someone. And you can do that. It's very easy to do. Not not necessarily easy, but as long as you stick with it, it gets easier the longer you stick with it. And it doesn't matter what you do. So that's what I would leave Side Hustle Nation with. 
Fair enough. Now the pushback is like for any service-based businesses, like, well, yeah, you're not working for anybody, anybody else, but you're still working for clients. And, you know, like any service business, you can't keep everybody happy all the time. Like what happens when you get angry people calling you up? Like, hey, you, you missed a spot on my window and it's on the third story. You better come back and fix it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're always technically working for someone. People always tell me that, but I agree. But I also disagree because I would much rather work for my clients than a manager who doesn't care about me and be making money for someone else, right? So yes, you're working for your clients, but um, that's because you provide a service and they're paying you for that service, you know, versus you getting chewed out by your manager or you having to show up on a set schedule that you maybe you don't want to go to work that day. You should have the ability to not to do what you want, right? So uh, that's my whole philosophy behind it, at least. And you can scale the service businesses out. So I don't deal with customers at all anymore. So you can you can do that through systems and hiring and scaling your business. Have you had any teaching moments with subcontractors not delivering work to the quality standards you or your customers expect and had some fallout or backlash from that? Not fallout, but I have we have had customers. It's normal. I mean, you can't please, like you said, you can't please everyone. So we have people that will get upset and say like, oh, this guy missed this or that. The great thing about subs is like, look, dude, you got to make sure this customer's happy. So I just call the subs or someone calls the subs and says, hey, can you go back and fix this? And it's like, well, yeah, I'll go back and fix it. And then the customer ends up being happy anyways, because we fixed the problem. All righty. Well, I am very excited to see everything that you have built so far, everything that you will continue to build. Again, you can follow along with Johnny's journey on Twitter at Squeegee God. Follow him over there and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Johnny. Definitely an inspiring story with lots of tactics you can turn around and apply to your own service business. Notes and links to all the resources mentioned in this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash window. While you're there, make sure to download my free local marketing cheat sheet. These are 10 quick things you can do to get more profitable local leads for your business. Again, that's at sidehustlenation.com slash window or through the show notes link in the episode description of your podcast player app. Big thanks to Johnny for sharing his insight. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.